This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And once again, I'm coming to you from the basement of Nostalgia Zone Comics and Collectibles, whatever we call ourselves. Our website is NostalgiaZone.com. If you collect comic books and old magazines, you can uh, go check out our website and uh, see what uh, you can find in there. There's lots of treasures. We got stuff from the Silver Age, Bronze Age, and Modern Age with a few Golden Age things kind of strewn about in there somewhere. Titles under the uh, companies of DC, Marvel, of course. We got Charlton, Harvey, Dell. TV comics, movie comics, mystery comics, classics illustrated. We got all kinds of stuff. So if you're into those things, uh, check out NostalgiaZone.com. Become a member of our membership, which I guess has no name other than it's called the membership. You'll save 10% on your purchases and you'll earn points toward future purchases. So check it out. It's a nice little store here in Minneapolis. It's kind of cool to get some business. So if you are interested in comic books, check us out. You will ship just about anywhere. You know, not to the moon, but you know, just about anywhere. So anyway, let's see. Uh, I think I did mention some stuff about our car. In a previous show. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Maybe last week. Last week's Christmas show. This is New Year's Eve. This is our... Our Disneyland Radio's... Uh, is our... I don't know. My New Year's Eve extravaganza. I guess. I don't know. It's, it's, it is... It's a, it's a regular Dimland Radio show. It just happens to show up on... On Z Talk Radio at... at uh, you know... New Year's Eve. So anyway... <laughs> um... The uh, Friday before Christ- the Christmas weekend, uh, our car, we have, a, we have a 2014 Kia Soul, was having some problems. Uh, Hayden and I were driving home from work. We were just a few blocks away from the house, and uh, Hayden's my son. My wife took the day off. Uh, we were just a few blocks away from the house when the check engine light came on, and it was blinking or flashing. It's just, it's, it wasn't just steady on. If it's steady on, that means something's going on. Get it serviced. Get it figured out what's going on. If it's flashing, that means don't drive it too much. <laughs> drive slow if you have to, but you know, and then get it checked out as quickly as you can because it's more serious that way. Because what it's doing is putting the car into what they call low power mode or limp mode so that uh, your engine does not um, generate as much RPMs so as to try to avoid damaging the, the, the engine. Okay. Well, that thing came on and I went, oh crap. So we ended up just driving it to the house, putting it in the garage. I got a tow. 
that sent it on over to this uh, auto service place that we've been using lately. And when I when I backed it out of the garage to put it on the street for the tow truck, I heard the this knocking going on in the engine. That's not good. A little ticking sound. That's 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 not that's not a good thing. I don't think. And you know, I'm not being a car guy. What do I know? But anyway, so the, it got towed over to the service place. The next day, they said, "Well, you know, it burns oil." I said, "Yeah, I knew that. I think I told them that too." Uh, and your spark plugs are, you know, they're they're shot. They've been, uh, you know, it's it's because of the burning oil thing. It's it's really hurting your 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 um, spark plugs. And they they asked when was the last time I had them changed, and I said, "Oh, I don't know. Let's see, the summer of 2021." It's true. It's the last time I had them changed. It was like it was due for uh, the uh, change out of plugs. So had it done. The car was having some problems and and it's been burning oil for a little while now for a couple three years or something it's been burning oil i've been keeping close eye on the oil level in there and i think well as long as i keep the oil up it's hopefully it'll be okay for a while well eh, apparently eh, not so great so they said yeah we can do all that work and there was one structural issue with the car that i said well in for a penny and for a pound go ahead and fix that one too so so they did but then amy and i started thinking you know, we're just buying some time with this car, uh, doing this repair. Uh, we should probably start looking at for another vehicle. And we were looking at electric. That's right. I'm just going to put my mouth where my money is or whatever. I was going to do that. And we were going to do that. Okay. So, you know, I mean, we're, you know, electric car. That's the, it's the wave of the future, folks. They're inevitable. And I want one, <laughs> but uh, so the, that was uh, th that was last Wednesday, and uh, Thursday we get the call in the morning that the car's ready to pick up. So Amy and I headed over after work, uh, picked up the car. She drove the car home, or you know, she drove the car, the, the Kia. Uh, we have a Kia Soul. I told you that, didn't I? Uh, she drove that, and I drove my dad's car. We've been using my dad's car in the meantime because you know, you know. We don't have a spare car, and Dad didn't really need his. He's 87, doesn't really go too many places, so he said, you can use my car. So, okay. Uh, and and so the, um, uh, so we we got Dad's car back to his place, brought Amy home, and this was Thursday night. I was going to meet up with a couple of friends, and we were going to, you know, hang out for the evening because that's what we do on Thursdays when we can. And uh, so I, I hop back into the Kia Soul and I start driving on out there. I get about two miles from home and the check engine light comes on blinking. Now, Amy did say as she was driving home from the, from the service garage that it was ticking. It was making this little ticking sound or knocking sound. And it was doing it while I was driving, but it seemed to be going okay. So I don't know. I don't know. I was thinking, this doesn't seem right. Might have to call these people and say, why is this thing ticking? But, okay, check engine light comes on, blinking, I pull into a parking lot, I call the service uh, place, and they were going to be open for another 15 minutes, I talked to somebody, I drove the car around in the parking lot while I was on the phone with them, hands-free, hands-free, through the dash, you know, through the radio system in the car, whatever, Bluetooth, whatever you call it, and it seemed like it was okay. And the guy said, you know, it could be a sensor that we put in that's not working right. That happens sometimes. You get a sensor, put a new one in, and the sensor itself is all, you know, arrives faulty. 
So bring it in tomorrow morning. Should be okay to drive, but bring it in tomorrow morning. We'll take a look at it. We'll see what's going on. Well, I decided I'm not going to go over to my friend's place uh, because I don't want to get stranded somewhere. I don't want to cause any more undue damage to the car. So I brought it home, set up another tow out there. And don't for, don't worry, our, our insurance covers roadside assistance kind of stuff for, for, uh, for towing. So it's no charge to us to tow. So that's okay. So I, I get it sent over to them. So Friday, uh, I let I give them a call and I leave a voicemail saying, here's what's going on with the car. It's making this knocking sound. Uh, the check engine light came on. It's blinking. I talked to somebody there just before you closed. So, you know, I'm going to have it sent over to you guys. Now, you know, you'll know what's going on when you get the car. So they called me uh, about midday at work. And they said, well, here's what we're getting. They put it on their computer scoping scanning device, whatever they, whatever it is. And they keep getting this, this error message. We're going to call it the 2002 problem because the part of the code number that they, that shows up is 2002. So we're going to call it the 2002 problem. So they said, we keep seeing this 2002 problem, which is telling us that it's either there's a recall thing or there's a reset of the computer or something like that that needs to be done at the dealership. So, so that they said, your next step is to take, take the car over to the dealership and have them check it out and see if, if what we're getting from the car is correct and, and all that. Okay, fine. So Amy and I head over there after work. We left early. Uh, we get the car, you know, the, the Kia. I drive that. They said it's okay to drive, but, you know, it took a little Google Maps thing to get the side streets there because I didn't want to take it on any freeways for any length of time. And you could tell the thing was in low power mode because you'd head up a hill, and it would work a little bit. But I was gentle, and the side streets were not uh, too full of cars, so that was cool. It wasn't inconveniencing anybody. So we get it over there. I pull it into the service garage, and I work with uh, the fellow that works with you know servicing vehicles uh, in the uh, at the dealership, which I've been to this place before. So he looks me up and he finds this information. I tell him what's going on with the car. Uh, it's burning oil. It's ticking or knocking. Uh, it's uh, we had it over to the service garage. I gave I showed him the paperwork that was given to me by the service uh, people. And, and he's, he's looking, okay, okay, well, let me uh, give me the key. He hops in. He starts the car. He's listening to it. You can hear the knock. And he says, okay. And so with all the information I gave him, the information he got from the service uh, auto service place that we brought it to, the paperwork that he saw, with the, the 2002 problem, He's he's starting to think. Okay, I, I think we I think I know what's going on here. He he prints out some paperwork from from my history about the car, and it's showing you know what's warranted and all that kind of stuff. He's going through the list, and um and and he says uh, he starts writing up some paperwork and he he puts down the amount of one hundred and eighty six dollars, and he says to me, "Don't worry about that." He says, "When we bring in a car and we're going to do a service on it, their their diagnostic." Uh, uh, charge is $186 just to check it and see what's wrong with the car and then it goes from there but he says when with this situation what's going on with it with you know the problem 2002 uh, he said uh, he said uh, you know we just have to put a number down here just in case but you know, it's just don't but he said but don't worry about that 
And this, so he starts going through some other stuff, and uh, he points out to me on the paperwork about the, the, what's under warranty, and a whole bunch of stuff is not under warranty, but there is one thing that is. The 2002 problem. Because uh, Kia uh, had extended that warranty to 150,000 miles. Well, our Kia has 132,000 miles on it. It is something, you know, the, 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 the auto service garage person that we were working with was saying, this is a thing with these, these Kias and the Hyundais, or is it Hyundai? I don't know. Uh, that there was a certain stretch of time where their, their, their engines were not great. And he says, there might be an extended warranty on this. You should check with your dealership. So that, he was right. There was, he said, even, that guy even said 150,000 miles that he thinks. He's not sure, but, you know, he thinks that that's something that, uh, you know, that he's heard or whatever through, you know, the work that he does. Well, it turns out there is that extended. It is for this particular problem, uh, which is, uh, it's a knock sensor. It's a thing. And they said, so, so the, so the service guy at, uh, at the dealership is telling me, if it turns, he says, like I said, I can't promise you that this is what it is, but it's really looking like this is what it is. Uh, and he says, but and if it turns out that it is the pro, the 2002 problem, if it turns out that that's what it is, and the and Kia, the the manufacturer who has to be in on the uh, the diagnostic, they they go online with them. So when they're going through and doing the diagnostic, they look and they confirm, oh, yep, it's the 2002 problem. And they don't call it that. I'm just calling it that for the show. They say, okay, it's an engine replacement. The whole thing has to be replaced. And he's, and because of this, two, this, pro, this 2002 problem being a thing, they extended the warranty to 150,000 miles. We got 132,000 miles on this thing. It's covered under the warranty. Uh, so... You know, so he's that's why he said when he wrote down the hundred eighty six dollars. He says, "Don't worry about that," because he's pretty confident that that's what's going to be. He said, "I can't say it a hundred percent. We do have to go through the diagnostic process, but it's really looking like this is the problem that you're having. And I guess it's a somewhat common problem with the Kia Souls, at least from that time period that we, you know, that this was built. So okay." <laughs> Uh, that's kind of exciting because you know you get a new motor in there. It's 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 not exactly like getting a whole new car, but it's kind of like getting a new car. Uh, I mean, if you look at our vehicle outside, you just look at it. It looks in good shape. It's clean. You know, it's just, it's not all rusted. It's, it's you know we've been taking good care of it. Even at the at the at the service the auto service garage that, that we took it to for the initial work that, that was done on it. Um, you know, I, 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 we said he's. You know, we told him that we bought the car. You know, it was used, and uh, or pre-owned, uh, and we got it like a, like a year after. You know, something like it's, it's 2014, so we got it sometime in 2015, I think. So we've had it for what seven years. The car's eight or nine years old, and I just said that just seems like it's it shouldn't. You know, it's, it, and it says we haven't heard it. You know, we don't drive it hard. We don't. We don't tow anything with it. We don't load it up with with you know boulders and go driving around. <laughs> we we hadn't been doing anything, you know, uh, uh, injurious to the to the vehicle. And he said, "Oh no, it's not. It's nothing you've done. It's just this. It's this thing that this. There's this. It's this thing about these Kias." And I had a clue about that a while back when I went to get an oil change and my oil was down about a quart, 
when I brought it in for the oil change, and the guy at the Jiffy Lube that I brought it to said, yeah, he says, that's these Kias, they burn oil on you, and he says, I'm surprised that uh, this thing's still running. He said, these things you usually crap out after 80,000 miles. I said, really? <laughs> you know, uh, but, okay, so, we'll see if we're going to get a new engine, uh, if we're going to get it replaced in there at no cost to us, that'll be awesome. Uh, here's the thing. The guy told me right away. The guy at the at the dealership said, "I got to tell you straight up front, it's going to be a couple of weeks before we can even look at it." I said, "Really?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "We're short staffed. We're backed up with with that." And I said, "Well, do you have like a loaner?" And he says, "Nope. We haven't got any loaners." He said, "We've got seven new cars on the lot in the showroom." He says, "The cars that we have in the showroom right now, they are going to be." You know, they're they're not going to be there next week. He, I said, oh really? You know, like the supply chain problems. And I said, oh, is that still? He says, well, he says we're getting cars. They're coming in much better, much quicker, much. You know, we're getting the stock. It comes in. It's the thing is, people have already bought the cars. They're just waiting for them to show up. So as soon as they get a batch of new cars in, they're already spoken for. So out they go. So I said, well, I I hope it balances out for you soon. So anyway, so they don't have any loaners for us. But he did say that if Kia approves the, the engine replacement because of the 2002 problem, if they do approve that, he says it's, they'll, they'll probably uh, allow for uh, um, um, us getting a, a rental from a, a local car rental place that uh, I guess you know, this, this dealership will use. So I'm, I'm guessing that's covered too. So we'll we'll see. But in the meantime, we're using my dad's car again. <laughs> um, and that this brings up kind of uh, you know it's, I feel like like we're stranding my dad. You know, he's but he's 87 years old. He doesn't go too many places. When he goes grocery shopping, he goes with my my older brother comes to see him a couple few times a week, and he'll take him grocery shopping. So they'll use their his vehicle. So it's not like you know we're leaving him too stranded. Um, he's got a he's got an appointment with a doctor this coming Wednesday, but he thinks that my older brother will get him to that. We'll see. If not, we'll just go in a little later to work on Wednesday. That's just how we'll just how we'll do it. Um, it's just anyway. Um, it does bring up one thing. My dad goes to church on Saturday evenings. And it's Saturday. I'm recording this Saturday morning. And I'm here at the comic book store. And I usually work until 6 o'clock. Well, Mass starts at 6. So I told my dad, I said, I can probably get out at 5 o'clock, come and get you and take you to church. So I already told my boss here, I said, I'm going to need to leave at 5. I've got my dad's car. He wants to go to church. I'm gonna to have to bring him to church, which which I'm not gonna sit in the dad said, you know you can just sit in the car. I said no 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 I'll just sit in back and I promise I won't scoff, I won't be going ha, <laughs> sure, <laughs> or 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 peppering a few hail Satan. <laughs> I won't be doing that. I'll be respectful. I'll even turn my phone off. Okay, I've made it to my first break. Oh, hard to believe, isn't it? Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll return after this break. Events. 
Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. That song, not the one that was coming out of the bumper, out of the break, I should say, uh, the one that going into the break, is a song called Shaken Not Stirred by a band called Red Guitars, which I'm not sure where they're from. Uh, UK, I think, but it could be South Africa. Mm, I'm not sure where they're from, exactly. But uh, and I, and I, it just occurs to me because I put the bumper in there. Um, uh, last night I looked uh, uh, on Spotify to see if Red Guitars was on there, the band, because I've done it periodically looking for them. Because I'm looking for a specific album that they released. It's called Slow to Fade. That's the name of the album. I think it's mid '80s. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant album, but it's not on Spotify. So, uh, so, but I look to see, I look under Red Guitars, and there is a uh, an album that's been put out. It's like a, it's like a, like a anthology sort of. Uh, it's a best of. It's uh, Red Guitars, nineteen eighty two to nineteen eighty four. So, um, it includes about half of the tracks that's on the album Slow to Fade, including the the, the title track and the brilliant song Marimba Jive. Oh man, that song just just bangs, as the kids say. It's a banger or whatever. It's great. I think it's great. And and I was thinking, I um, uh, so I was just sitting there and I realized it's on there. Uh, I put uh, the the songs that uh, uh, from that collection onto my uh, playlist. You know, the ones that I wanted from that album. I put it into my my, my Spotify playlist, which is clo- closing in on four thousand seven hundred songs. But I, so I throw them on there, and then um, I, I texted my friend John. Uh, John and I, uh, we went to high school together. We we met in junior high. We got uh, to be closer friends in high school. And uh, after graduating high school, and he went to the University of Minnesota, and I went to an art school in St. Paul, 
the two of us just started hanging out with each other. We would go to concerts all the time. We'd hang out at First Avenue fairly, very frequently. We just became you know, like music buddies and drinking buddies, uh, and so we would just hang out all the, you know a lot. In fact, uh, at some point, I moved into his uh, basement apartment. If you know, I'm saying quotes for apartment, and lived in his house for a little while uh, until I met my wife, and I moved out with her. Uh, so then anyway, so anyway. Um, so I texted him excitedly saying, hey, Red Guitars is on Spotify. It's not the whole thing. I've been looking for Slow to Fade. I can't find it on Spotify. But, you know, he says, well, it is on, on YouTube, uh, the whole album. Not in great quality, but, you know, but it is on there. And I, so we got chatting. And it reminded me of something that happened to me when I was in, in my art school days at about that time that this album was new. And uh, the album Slow to Fade by Red Guitars. Uh, a friend of mine, another good friend of mine from high school, who I met uh, in the, when I was in the seventh grade, I think it was, yeah, I met him then. Uh, he and I hit it off because we were both Star Wars fans and Star Blazers fans, which was an animated series that uh, was uh, made into a, a into a series that, that started out a film and they just expanded it and made it, I don't know how many episodes, 26 episodes or something like that. And I won't go into the whole details of it. But when we found out that when, you know, everybody liked Star Wars then. This was 1977 when we met each other. So Star Wars was just, had just been a thing. You know, it was, a, it was the phenomenon was still going on at that point. This was still fresh and new. So everybody liked Star Wars, except for my friend John, who thought it was the robots were stupid, and so he didn't like Star Wars. <laughs> he was never a child. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this other friend, Greg, you know, he and I, uh, you know, we bonded over the, uh, not just Star Wars, but Star Blazers. Anyway, so Greg, uh, in our, in our, you know, post-high school years, uh, he, uh, you know, he and I would go to some parties once in a while, and there was a party that another person that we went to school with was having... And I didn't really feel it. I didn't really feel it going because I was in my I was in my art school mode, broken away from the high school, my high school look, and I was into punk rock and alternative aggressive rock and just different kind of stuff. I wasn't into the high school thing. And it just was feeling really uncomfortable for some reason when I went to the party. It's just it's, I these are people I knew, but I just it's I just wasn't digging the vibe, man. And I wasn't all that far from home, so I started walking home. I just—I don't even know if I told Greg I'm taking off. You know, it's just, just like ah, I've had enough of this. I'm going home. And so I, so I started walking home, and I, I'm heading along, and a car is is coming from behind me, is heading along, and it seems like it's slowing down. And I hear music playing in the guitar in the in the car. I hear it coming from the from the car, and it's it's not the song that I used in the bumper. Uh, uh, the shaken but not uh, shaken not stirred. It's a different song. I think remote control. I think was the song. It's red guitars, and I hear that. I feel like I'm recognizing the song. Said who in the hell in St. Paul, Minnesota, in 1985, whatever, is listening to red guitars? Who could it be? And I turn and I look, and there's my friend John pulling up. Hey, what you doing? <laughs> so I went and hung out with him that night. More my speed of company, I guess. Okay, um, uh, oh, and it, uh, no, I'll save that to, for the sports ball segment, <laughs> which is coming, which I'll keep brief, I promise. Talk about a burn. This is, this was, this, I mean, my goodness. Now, I don't think this young woman has, I, I, there's, there's some, I think there's some criticism that there's a certain 
that she's not completely uh, in with the science, how it goes on in environmental science, but she's much, 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 much far better than most people are with environmental science. So I don't, I don't know if the criticism is even really legit, but it's Greta Thunberg. I think that's how you say her last name. She's this, this, this kid that came on the scene a couple years ago speaking out about environmental issues, taking adults to task. You are ruining our world. <laughs> We're going to live in the world that you're ruining, essentially was her message, among with other things. It's just raising people's awareness of being environmentally sound and you know getting rid of cars, you know, like, like gas-powered engines and, and getting off fossil fuels and all this kind of stuff, which is sound thinking. we got to do it. We have to do it if we're going to have our planet survive in such a way that, uh, that it's going to be still good for us. I mean, we'll survive somehow, I suppose, but, eh, you know, come on. Anyway... So she's 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 this she's she's been a thing for a while now, but I hadn't heard much about her. And then I started hearing about this guy named Andrew Tate. Who the hell is Andrew Tate? I thought I've never heard of Andrew Tate, but then I'm an old guy, so these young people, these young inf internet influencer types, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I look at I look at people in commercials. Uh, there's a there's a young singer that uh, she does some ads for, I don't know, some phone service or whatever it is. I have no clue who she is, but I watch the ad and I think, I think I'm supposed to know who she is. Who is she? I, I, I Don't ask me to tell you her name. I looked at, and I found out, that, oh, okay, so she's a pop singer today. So she's known, you know, the younger people know her, but old farts like me don't know her. And so, okay, fine. That's, I'm out of touch, right? So this Andrew Tate, Whoever Andrew Tate is, all of a sudden he's something on on social media. There's 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 mentions of him. Well, he, Andrew Tate is a guy that was an MMA fighter, one of those Ultimate Fighter guys or whatever. And I guess he was pretty good, but he's retired, and now he's some internet influencer kind of guy. And he's a real misogynist asshole. You know, he's an incel type. You know, doesn't doesn't like women. You know, it's, it's this whole this whole thing. You know. Anyway, so for some reason he targets Greta. And he does it. He's he gets reinstated to uh, uh, to Twitter. Elon Musk, you know the great Elon Musk. There's there's a. You, I hope you heard the sarcasm there. He reinstates uh, this Andrew Tate to Twitter, and and Andrew decides to use his his new his new um, access to free speech to troll Greta Thunberg. Thunberg. Thunberg or Thunberg? I hope I get. It. I don't know. He decides to to troll Greta, and he says, "Hey Greta, I've got thirty three cars," and he talks about a couple kinds of cars that he's got—the real fancy schmancy cars with V eights or not, no, with the V sixteen and a V twelve engines and and all this. And you know, hey, give me your email so I can send you all the information of the cars I've got and how much they pollute. You know, I'm not getting the exact words right. Sends that to her. Tweets about it. So she says, uh, she answers him, <clears throat> yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. So she, and everybody goes, ooh, here's a 19-year-old kid punching back. Now give me your bullshit. Okay, you know, and some people, I've, I've seen this, well, you know, going after this, the size of the guy's genitalia. Well, you know, hit him where it hurts. <laughs> I think it's fair game, uh, I, I think. But you know, some people. But well, you know, that doesn't seem like the right thing to do. You know, but fine. Anyway, was he done? No, 
he wasn't done. He does a video of himself uh, calling for uh, somebody off camera to give him some, bring him some pizza. Yeah, I'm hungry. Bring me some pizza. And they bring him in some pizza. And he's got the, you know, the pizza boxes are brought on so you can see him on camera. And he says something about, and I'm not going to recycle the pizza boxes. Ha ha, Greta, or whatever. I, you know, again, I don't know the exact words. <clears throat> well, what happens in that? Apparently, Andrew Tate was a, is a suspect in sex trafficking and rape in Romania. So the Romanian law enforcement authorities, they see this video and they take a good look at those at the pizza boxes and they say that pizza box is from a pizza company that you know, pizza seller in Romania. So they didn't know where Andrew Tate was. He could be anywhere just using the internet to you know to 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 spew his bile. And they see Wait a minute. He's he's in Romania. So they track down that pizza place. They track down the order and they find him and they arrest him. Under suspicion of uh, sex trafficking and 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 rape. And then Greta gets the last word. So she tweets out, "This is what happens when you don't recycle your pizza boxes." Now that's brilliant. 10 out of 10. She gets she gets 10 points. She gets 100 points. Take 100 points, Greta. Yeah, you know, that's that's awesome. That's just she won the 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 internet uh, through that whole exchange. She had the big stick. She you know, and all she had to do was just a couple sentences, a couple of sentences to just lay waste to this guy. And then you know the Romanian police, they didn't hurt either. <laughs> so, wow, that's what you get. What do I got? What time I got? Okay. All right. Quick sports ball segment. So you sports ballers, I, I, I'll keep it quick. Uh, it, it occurs to me that I didn't link to a couple of things last week in the show notes. Uh, I mentioned that uh, Tom Grossi or Grossi, who does these fan reactions, I didn't link to that. So I'll, I'll get it in the show notes this week. You can get to the show notes by going to dimland.com. Click on the show notes blog option, and they'll and, they, and if I I should have them in there. I've made a note in my book here to make sure that I put those notes there, or the the links uh, to that. <clears throat> now, so for this brief sports ball interlude, I want to talk about uh, how the Minnesota Vikings are doing. Uh, uh, they're doing pretty well, but it's a strange pretty well. It's these come from behind wins. It's this down to the wire. It, it's there's not been there's only been one comfortable win for them uh, this season. That was the first game of the season when they played the Green Bay Packers and they beat the crap out of them in that first game. And then ever since then, every win they've had has been, you know, one score. You know, it's just like either a touchdown or less uh, of a of a amount of points that they won the game by. It has just been, and it's just lots of times it's come from behind. It's just or going to overtime, but they've been winning them. Right in the fourth quarter, they've been winning these games or in overtime, and uh, there's been three losses, and those losses were pretty comfortable losses, as you know, as, as far as the loss can be comfortable. But they were just kind of beat up on, beat up on by, well, I, I don't even remember all the teams that beat them up, but they beat them up, <clears throat> and so that's that's how this team has been, and it's been so difficult to get a handle on what's going to happen. All right, but there's one thing I know, as a Vikings fan. 
the gut punch is coming. It is coming. Is it going to be a mild gut punch where they go into the playoffs, they, they play well, they have a tough game that they just lose? You know, it's like they got outplayed, but they hung in there, they made it close, but they lost. Whether it's the first game or the second game or whatever, how far they go into the playoffs. The farther into the playoffs, the harder the, the gut punch is. Or do they have the kind of the, the, the big gut punch um, or, you know, the embarrassing gut punch where it's just they get blown out by whoever they meet in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's whoever they get the, that first game. Just, you know, it just beats them up. Like that one year uh, uh, that the, the Vikings got to the national championship, uh, the NFC championship game, that would have been the winner of that goes to the Super Bowl. And they were again playing the, uh, the New York Giants, and they got beat like 41 to nothing or something like that. And that's, that's just, ugh. Yeah, this, this, the team, was, they, they give you this feeling like maybe, like maybe, maybe, maybe. But it's always a gut punch. It's always a gut punch. So whenever you start feeling like it's maybe, so so I've always said, and I or I've often said lately, I don't, I will not get on the game, the bandwagon until two weeks after they win a Super Bowl. Oh, I'll get on that bandwagon the moment they win the Super Bowl. But you know what I'm saying? It's just like I'm not going to believe it until they do it. I'm not on the bandwagon until they do it. I'm going to hope for the best for them. I'm going to root them on, but I'm not getting so invested, right? You know, I'm not thinking, this is it, this is it, Team of Destiny, this is it. No, no, we did that in 2017 when the Super Bowl was going to be in Minneapolis. And there was the Minneapolis miracle with the, a break went the Vikings way in the postseason. And we pulled a one a, a, a win out of a, what was surely going to be a loss. We did it. it. It was it was incredible. Then the next week we got our asses handed to us by the Philadelphia Eagles. And nope, no Super Bowl again. Gut punch. Just the, the, it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I, I've been telling. There's a the person that I used to work with at the janitor job. He's been post. I, I posted up the scenario that I'm going to give here. What it's the the worst case gut punch type scenario, and he's posting all this anti uh, Green Bay Packer things and and all that. And I said, you got to watch it. Your that attitude is going to hurt you because you're going to get hit with the gut punch. It's going to get you. And I said, it's going to happen. Now here's the scenario. This is not what I did not come up with this. This is a coworker came up with this. And this coworker is a Packer fan, but he holds back. I don't get on bandwagons. I don't get, you know, he holds back and he says this is what might happen. It's a very outside chance I think, but this is what might happen. The Vikings play the Packers this weekend. I think in in Packerland. So, uh the Viking, there's two games left in the regular season. The Vikings have already won the division that they're in. They've already clinched a spot in the playoffs. Just where, when, you know, whether they get a bye the first week of the playoff season, those things need to be determined. And the Green Bay Packers, they're 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 fighting their way in to get into the playoffs because they they've gotten better, right? Since since we beat them in that first week of the season, they've they've faltered, but they've been getting better, and they've been they've got a decent enough record where they could. If they win their last the last two games of the season, one of which against the Vikings, they could get, find themselves in the in the in the playoffs at what be the seventh seed, and the Vikings could still be like the second seed, which would mean if the Vikings lose to the Packers this weekend and get in the playoffs, and it ends up where the Vikings are second seed and the Packers are seventh seed, they're going to meet first game in the playoffs, and the and the Packers 
will beat the Vikings. That would be the biggest gut punch because it would be the Packers being able to laugh at us saying, ha ha, we might not make it to the Super Bowl. We may not make it any farther in the playoffs than, than beating you guys in that first game, but we beat you. And that, they'll have that to put over us. That might be the gut punch that's coming. Right now, what's coming is my next break. You are listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I will return. I'll be Hornswoggled. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ZTalkRadio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on ZTalk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the happy birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. And welcome back to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Writing down a little note on here. Okay, um, I thought <clears throat> I would uh, uh, I would mention this. You, you probably know this, uh, that uh, uh, movies that uh, movies and TV series is that uh, depict historical events aren't always exactly accurate. They may be accurate in the, in the feel, in the, in the essence of it, sort of. They may have that, but they're not... This, you, you're not going to uh, get a Ph.D. in history by going by what Hollywood says happened in history. So, yeah, and I think most people know that. The, the, there's artistic license that has to happen within films to make it more dramatic, to, to pull it off in a two- or three-hour-long movie or in a series that lasts ten episodes or something. You have to 
you, you have to compress time. You have to. You, they might have to, uh, you know, take a, uh, make a composite character that's based on several actual people that were involved in the event. But they 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 bring that all into one character. All those little uh, uh, experiences that those people had in the real event. They bring it into one character to to experience within the movie or the series. I think, you know, again, I'm not saying anything that's of great revelation. I think most people know that you shouldn't get your history from movies from Hollywood. Don't get your history from Hollywood. Sometimes they do some pretty good stuff. They get pretty accurate. They might make some mistakes here and there. Again, there's some artistic license that might happen, but they do overall get it pretty close. Like the HBO miniseries uh, Band of Brothers, I guess, is pretty accurate. It has some errors that they make. They do have to compress time a little bit. They do some some character consolidations of kind of things, composite characters. Uh, but for the most part, they, they're pretty accurate about what they depict, um, I guess. I guess that's one of the more accurate ones. Uh, a film like uh, Gettysburg is pretty close. It's pretty accurate to what happens, uh, what happened in the battles, Battle of uh, Gettysburg. But it's still, you know, they have to do some things to make it more dramatic for film for an audience to make it, you know, have it more more impact than, than it might have if they just give you the straight story. Even the film The Straight Story, which is about some guy who rode his, uh, his, uh, his uh, uh, lawnmower to visit his, his dying brother. He, he just drives it along a long stretch there. Even that, you know, takes its license. You know, this does a little artistic stuff with that. So it's not, it's not exact to what happened, but it's based on something. Based on true events. Based on a true story. Unless you're talking the movie Fargo, which isn't based on anything, it was just the Coen brothers messing with the audience. They put that based on a true story, or these events really, whatever they said at the beginning of that film. And those of us who live in Minnesota, uh, my friend John, who I mentioned earlier, he said he watched that and said, I can't think of, I, I, I'm, I don't know of any events like that happening here. And it turns out, you know, that no, it was just a thing that the Coen brothers were messing with the audience. Okay, so <clears throat> I bring this up because I, I just watched 1987's uh, The Untouchables. A uh, very stylish film, very popular film when it came out. I saw it when it first came out, and I, I, and I still like it. It's in, but I know that it's the, the accuracy of this movie... Yeah, there's there's a lot of license taking. <laughs> there's a lot uh, in there. Uh, it's a it's a, a film that was um, it was written by David Mamet. Uh, it was directed by Brian De Palma. Very stylish looking. There's some wonders, you know, where the camera just the scene just keeps playing out, and the camera just follows it along. There's a few of those in there. De Palma was uh, uh, likes to do the the wonders. Uh, 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 that's what they call them. He likes to do those. And uh, it stars Kevin Costner as Elliot Ness. Elliot Ness was an actual person who was part of the Treasury Department who went off after uh, bootleggers in Chicago and all that. Not necessarily after, specifically after Al Capone, but was part of the uh, part of trying to nail Al, Al Capone, who was the big boss of the of the of the uh, 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 organized crime in Chicago. Um, there was also Sean Connery, who played uh, Jimmy Malone, an old beat cop who'd been a cop for a long time. 
Uh, Connery won Best Supporting Actor for the role. Apparently his Irish accent sucked, but his acting was still good. Uh, then there was, uh, let's see, Andy Garcia, who was pretty new in film at that time. I don't know how, how early on his list of films it was, but uh, he played a rookie cop that was recruited into The Untouchables. Because, see, Jimmy Malone, as played by Sean Connery, there's a meet-cute between him and Elliot Ness, where and then Elliot feels like, you know, this is the guy I could learn from. He gets played, Elliot Ness gets played by the cops on his first raid. They, they, it's you know because the cops are all in the pockets of of Capone for the most part and city officials and all this kind of stuff you know and that's accurate within the movie as far as the the influence that Capone had over politicians and law enforcement not necessarily that first raid I don't know but uh, but in the film he you know Ness gets humiliated and the cops are kind of laughing at him and uh, so he's he thinks back to uh, he had a chance after this humiliation he had this chance encounter with with Jimmy Malone and there was just a little exchange between the two of them that gave Ness enough of a, of an idea that this might be the guy I need to work with he seems like he knows stuff more than what you know he just he seems like he's the guy I need to talk to so he talks him into come on i need you on my team i'm going to recruit you into my team of untouchables uh which wasn't what he called them but you know get you into my team with the treasury department and you're going to help me get capone and so uh one of the first things that uh, that the two of them have to do is they have to find other people to bring in you know they need a couple other guys the department the treasury department does send an accountant played by i wrote his name down here somewhere Charles Martin Smith, a little nebbishy little guy, round glasses, and he's he's an accountant who works for the department. But you know, at, at a point when they're going to go on a raid, uh, in walks this little guy, and Sean Connery looks at him. He says, "Do you carry a barge?" "Yes." "Well, carry a gun." And he hands him a shotgun, and out they go to do a, their first legit raid, where they do get some results. Andy Garcia, the idea of bringing him in, his name, his character's name is George Stone. I forget the name of the uh, the accountant guy. I'm just going to call him the accountant. <laughs> I forget what his name was. Uh, they go. He, he says. Uh, he said. Uh, 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 Malone says to Ness. You know, says if you want to get a good apple, you stay away from the barrel. You go to the tree. So uh, so they they had and get a, a rookie, somebody that hasn't been tainted yet, and they talk to a couple of guys, and it's the Garcia character that they go with. All right, so they got the four guys, and they, they start taking it to Capone. They start going after him. And the accountant guy is saying, look, we can get him on tax evasion. Tax evasion, that's how we got What? Tax evasion? This guy, he's, 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 he murders, and he's bootlegging, and he's, and he's, and he's you know, prostitution and, and, or sex work. And he's, he's doing all this shit. We're going for tax evasion? Really? But seriously, that's, what, that's the reality of history, and no, that's what happened. They got him for tax evasion. But it wasn't Elliot Ness. It was Frank Wilson. Frank Wilson worked for the Treasury Department. He was a he was he, he and a, like a team of like five other guys or something like that were working to nail Capone on the tax evasion thing. Elliot Ness was act, was going after Capone in another way, or and going after the after, after the bootleggers and doing the you know going after the street level people and all that. But it was this Frank Wilson who was building the case against Al Capone. Well, Frank Wilson isn't in the movie. So, um, 
there's one, you know, it's, uh, oh, and I didn't mention that Al Capone is played by Robert De Niro. And I think he's great. I think it's one of the forgotten roles of Robert De Niro. Like, the people forget that he played Capone so well in the movie. And the way he's depicted in the movie, you know, ha- having the ear of the press and, ha- you know, li- uh, uh, living and, and running his organization from this grand hotel, that's, that's true, apparently. He did that, you know he would flaunt it at people, but the the Valentine's Day massacre that was uh, orchestrated by Al Capone. It was a bunch of uh, crime leaders, you know, of the other other crime families and organizations within Chicago were all you know invited to this warehouse or something, and a bunch of uh, uh, Capone's men came in there. They were dressed as cops, killed these guys. I don't know how many it was, like seven guys or something like that, which was Capone consolidating power. Uh, in Chicago, and that's what really got the drew the attention of government. Uh, the president Herbert Herbert Hoover at the time, we got to get Capone, and it's just became a thing. That's where, you know, that's when they start going after him. <clears throat> so anyway, um, so the, so it's so we got these four guys. Now here's the stretching credulity <laughs> in a movie. I know it's just a movie. Don't freak out. It's just a movie. But they have the four of them. That There's a raid on the Canadian border. Whiskey's being taken over. The Canadian Mounties are going to be coming in from the Canada side. And these four guys are going to come in from the uh, America side. And uh, now I can, you know, the Canadian Mounties mounted on horses. Yeah, I can go with that. But these four guys, one's a treasury agent guy, L-A-N-S, one is a treasury agent guy who's an accountant, one is a beat cop, and the other is a rookie cop, and these guys are all excellent horsemen. Really? Even at the time when I watched it, I thought, really? Are they... Uh, is horse riding part of it? <laughs> I just... I, 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 it stretched credulity. I went with it. I go with it because it's still entertaining. The film is entertaining. But, uh, and here's where the, the spoiler takes place. Now, they do get Capone on taxes. And at the, uh, toward the end of the film, they, you know, Capone's been arrested. He's on trial. Right? And through some action, uh, Elliot Ness gets a hold of this, this list with the jurors' names on it with the amounts of money that each juror had been paid. So he knows the jury's been bought by Capone. It was a list that he got from one of Capone's, uh, you know, one of his henchmen. After a long chase and shootouts and all kind of stuff. But he, he gets the guy, right? So he gets this list and he, ta- he has a meeting with the judge and the DA and he says, look, here's this list. Shows it to the judge, Judge Wilkerson. And Judge Wilkerson doesn't think much of it. I don't know about I don't know what to do with it. Uh, yeah, it's not a big deal. So Elliot Ness has the other people leave the room, the judge's chambers. It's just him and the judge in, the, in there. And, uh, and you just see the scene cuts from there back into the, into the courtroom where, um, where the judge is looking a little serious. And he's, he says, all right. And he says, bailiff. Now, this is, this is at a point at which, the, after the point where the, the, the DA had been, giving, had been, had been uh, uh, interviewing, questioning, the bookkeeper, Al Capone's bookkeeper, and the bookkeeper is connecting all the dots. It all leads to Capone. All this stuff. So, you know, he's nailing him. He's nailing him. And Capone is acting like, eh, 
meh, no big deal. Meh, meh, meh. And the DA turns to Ness and says, I don't get it. I'm nailing, I'm putting the last nail in his coffin. And this guy's just, he's acting like it's, it's not bothering him. What's going on? And then, the, you know, the action stuff happens. And the list is found. And the judge is told that this is happening. So then the judge, when he goes back into court, after having a little talk with Elliot Ness, tells the bailiff, says, bailiff, I want you to take this jury. There's a there's judge so and so's uh, just starting up a trial uh, across the hall. I want you to take this jury, bring them over to, the, to his place, and then exchange them with that jury there, and bring them back. And that you know that defeats Capone, and it's all a shout and match, <clears throat> and it goes crazy in there a lot because the the defense attorney stands up and says, Your Honor, we would like to change our the plea to guilty, and uh, and this you know, and then it that that's kind of where it goes and. And I, even at the time, I said, I was watching this, and I watched it again when I just, just watched it recently. I thought, surely that's a mistrial. You just went through an entire trial, and now you're going to get a jury in there who hasn't heard a word of it? It's just like, surely that's a mistrial. But it is kind of historically accurate. Kind of. Judge Wilkerson, from what I understand, I've read some stuff, and there's this uh, YouTube channel called History Buffs who looks into the hist movies. That's a good source to see if, how historically accurate movies are. At least I think it is. I, I trust the source, the source a bit. Apparently, Judge Wilkerson, uh, he, he, he was aware that the jury pool of like 40 people, that were, you know, potential jurors, prospective jurors, you know, he was aware that there was bribing going on. He was aware of that even before jury selection took place. So when the so when jury selection is about to take place, he sits down. He gets the bailiff over and he says, "I want you to take these jurors, this jury pool, take him across the hall and grab the jury pool from over there and bring him here." That's what he did before they even started selecting jurors. So that wouldn't be a mistrial. He was just thwarting Capone. He said, okay, you haven't bought out these people. You bought out these people, but these people are going to a different courtroom. So, yeah. So that's what actually happened, apparently. And there's one other thing before... I might go a little long. It's one other thing about this this, this history thing. My wife and I just finished watching uh, the, the, the season six of the Peaky Blinders, which is on Netflix, which is a really good series. You might want to have the subtitles on because their, their, uh, their, their accents get pretty thick, but, um, <clears throat> it's really good. It stars Cillian Murphy as, uh, Tommy Shelby. And this, it's the, it's about this, this, uh, organized crime family, uh, part of this group of, uh, uh, of Northern, I think it's Northern England, like Birmingham. I think that's kind of Northern England or sort of, um, where, you know, it's a very blue collar, very industrial, but very depressed era, uh, area of, of England just after World War One, And this, uh, these Peaky Blinders, this gang, these gangsters, Peaky Blinders, running drugs and guns and prostitution and, and all kinds, you know, gambling and all this kind of stuff. And this family, the Shelby family, led by Tommy Shelby, played by Cillian Murphy, they just, they run, they control things. You know, just Tommy becomes, uh, you know, he, he rises in the ranks of politics to become 
a member of parliament. He has the ear of Winston Churchill. He he goes up against uh, Italian mobs from the United States. He goes, or uh, part of the Italian mobs from the United States. And he, he it's just this whole thing takes place. And part of why, why they call themselves Peaky Blinders is because they wear these flat caps when they sew in razor blades, you know, shaving blades, but you know, they sew them into the brim of their caps so that they pull their caps off and they slash at people with, the, with their caps and they cut them up. That's, that's why they call themselves Peaky Blinders. And, and so there's all this stuff and there's this, this family going through this thing. It's all this drama. They, he comes, he's a socialist, Tommy is. He's a socialist, but he goes up against fascists and it's all this, all this intrigue. It's really good. It's really entertaining and it's complete bullshit. <laughs> None of it is true. Yes, there were Peaky Blinders, but no, they didn't sew uh, blades into their caps because they couldn't afford razor blades. <laughs> so, you know, they wouldn't have been able to afford them. They were, these, these were just street thugs that would, they, they would break into, you know, they burglarize places. They'd get into fights. They'd cause problems that way, but they didn't run organized crime. They weren't, they didn't have this whole system of stuff. There wasn't Tommy Shelby and his brother, Arthur fucking Shelby. There wasn't these guys in charge of things. He didn't, there was no Peaky Blinder that became a member of Parliament. There was none of that. <laughs> I found this out after watching season six, which I guess there's going to be a movie to kind of wrap things up. They were thinking of doing a season seven, but they decided to do a movie. So I looked into some Peaky Blinder stuff, and I found these historians, or the one in particular, talking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> they were a rough tumble group. They did, you know, they beat up each other and they 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 got out of hand and things like that. But they didn't run crime. They didn't go up against the Italian mobs. They didn't run drugs or guns or they, they were they were just street thugs. They were just trying to make ends meet. They did wear flat caps, and they pulled them down real close, real tight over one eye, and that's why they called themselves Peaky Blinders. Uh, you just you just can't trust Hollywood when it comes to history. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, that's the end of another show. It's a New Year show. Happy New Year to everybody out there. Uh, you've been uh, be skeptical and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network, and I'm your host, Jim Doctor Dim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off, and I'll see you in the new year. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option, and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, I'm going to hell.